welcome uh, everybody to, uh, well, just before Christmas service, so special welcome to Church Unlimited in Kaitaia, to Whangarei, to the west, of course, right here, and also to Rotorua. So, Merry Christmas, everyone. So good to have you all join us today, the Church Unlimited family, together celebrating and talking about the birth of our Savior, Jesus. So just a couple of jokes to get the campuses to stay with us. What goes oh, oh, oh? Santa walking backwards. <laughs> laugh, campuses. They didn't laugh here, but please, campuses, be good to me, all right? Let's try a second one. How do you know when Santa is in the room? You can sense his presence. <laughs> no, they didn't laugh at that one either. I love you, Kaitaia, Whangarei, Rotorua, because I know you're laughing your heads off right now. I'm sure of it. God bless you. Okay. <laughs> we had a great uh, family gathering last night at Sam and Jody's place. It's uh, so I did a count this morning, about 54 or 55 of them turned out of all ages, and it was just a, a fabulous time just getting together and had our Christmas carols playing nicely in the background, that subliminal message getting through of the Savior and the birth of Jesus, and uh, it was just a great time. And uh, yeah, I ate too much, and uh, the ham was beyond belief, and uh, there was no. Ch there was uh, one of the ladies made um, these chicken. What were they? Those, those ones that barbecue chicken curried ones. Hey, eh? the curried bar barbecue chicken ones. Yeah. So that was kind of like the entree bit. And honestly, I just could not stop eating them. They were so good. And then all the plain food came out later on. So. <clears throat> all right, I've got a message to share. All right. So um, <clears throat> I read of this one writer preacher, and he said that every year for him, Christmas was, it was a shadow over every Christmas for him, because when he was just a young boy, his father died a few days before Christmas. And so Christmas was kind of never the same for him, like it is for many people. And the reality is that Christmas is not really the happy time it's made out to be for everyone. I just want to acknowledge that across campuses, that for many of you, heading into Christmas can be a really difficult time, especially if you've had a tough year. Maybe you've lost someone or just, you know, something tragic has happened for you. And uh, some of you may even be dreading Christmas. Well, we understand that. And for Christmas, sometimes it increases all the feelings of loneliness, emptiness, uncertainty, expenses, frustration, all that kind of thing. Not a good time to make decisions, by the way. Too many emotions running wild. But I just pray that as we look at Christmas together across our campuses today, look at the birth of Jesus, it will bring cheer into your heart. Come with me to Revelation in chapter 12. <clears throat> it's a really interesting passage of bizarre cosmic symbols. 
Think about it. There's this pregnant woman clothed with the sun and about to give birth to a male child. Then there's a seven-headed red dragon waiting to kill the child. So powerful, so massive that it brings a third of the stars down from the sky. We see a flight into the desert and we see a war in heaven. And there's lots of interpretation or a number of interpretations about this passage of Scripture. But as I've looked into it and researched it, most commentators or many commentators agree that it's actually got something to do with the birth of Jesus. Think about it. A woman about to give birth. A dragon waiting to kill the child. Remember Herod? Issuing the thing, kill all the children under two to get rid of the birth of Jesus. So it's an amazing thing. When this special baby was born, it's like the universe shuddered. In a sense, Revelation chapter 12 presents Christmas from a cosmic perspective. So it's adding a new set of images to the, you know, the manger and the shepherds and the stable and all those kind of things. What was visible on earth, representing ripples on the surface, underneath there were massive disruptions, were shaking the foundations of the universe. From God's viewpoint and even from Satan's viewpoint, Christmas was far more than just the birth of a baby. It was an invasion, a decisive advance in the great struggle for the cosmos and for the salvation of mankind. The earth shuddered. It quaked. It felt the weight. And in the end, as always, God wins. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, a son is given. This was the greatest gift of all that shook the very foundations of the universe. This incredible cosmic battle taking place in the unseen realm of the spirit where God himself was invading earth to win a decisive battle against the powers of darkness and to bring the birth of the Savior that would redeem humanity that was lost and fallen. And on a personal level, when you and I receive Jesus into our hearts, the very foundations of our lives shudder and are transformed and are shaken. Foundation of your life is God himself comes to live within your heart. As your sins are forgiven, as you begin a new life with God upon the earth, as you transfer from darkness to life, from bless, cursing to blessing, from a pathway to, from pathway to hell to a pathway to heaven, the foundations of your life are surely shuddering and shaken and impacted because you will never walk the same again. As Jesus came from heaven to earth and the universe shuddered, Jesus comes into your heart and the foundations of your life are shaken forever in the best possible way. 
and you enter into a glorious new life with the Savior. This is what we celebrate this Christmas season, the birth of Jesus. Billy Graham puts it this way. The very purpose of Christ coming to, into the world was that he might offer up his life a sacrifice for the sins of men. He came to die. This is the heart of Christmas. Jesus carried on his shoulders the weight of the world, a world that had lost its pathway, it's lost its way, fallen in so many ways. And he came to carry the weight of the world upon his shoulders to bring redemption to mankind. And in a sense, the church of Jesus Christ today, church unlimited to some measure across our campuses, we now carry the weight of the world upon our shoulders to bring hope to a, a lost and a broken humanity. To preach the good news of salvation for a people people destined to end up in the wrong place, to bring a restoration of all the tragic things that happen in our society, the, the poverty, the homelessness, the suicide, the drug abuse, the addictions, the, the immorality, the, it, the list goes on, this, on and on and on. It's a lost and a broken world. The church is the hope of the world. And you and I today, we carry the weight of the world now on our shoulders. That's where Jesus has planted it. And as we walk about our daily life, can I encourage us across our campuses? Let's remember our mission from God. It's to bring transformation to this broken world. To bring transformation to the streets in which we live and walk and talk day by day. Let's not walk as though all is well on planet earth, friends, because you and I know all is not well. Let's feel the weight of the call of God upon our lives and upon the church of Jesus Christ. Let's fulfill the will of God in our generation, that which God is giving us breath for each and every day, to make a difference on this planet and to bring transformation to broken and lost lives. Christmas is all about gifts, isn't it? As Ben put it so well in his communion this morning. The greatest gift of all, of course, is Jesus. The giving and receiving of gifts is at the core of Christmas. I want to look at this for a few minutes today. I don't know if you ever did it as a kid, Christmas time, write a gift to Santa. I certainly didn't, but some did. And they make a request of what they might want. But there's always this niggling feeling that you're meant to have been good. <laughs> I don't know if that applies anymore, but it used to. <laughs> and uh, one four-year-old wrote, Dear Santa, I'll take anything because I haven't been that good. <laughs> it's a bit risky to say I'll take anything. So on Christmas for a change, you won't believe this. It's true, I bought Adrian a goat. Do you know what she bought me? A goat. Because you reap what you sow. <laughs> Don't worry, two goats didn't end up in our backyard making a mess, which I would have to clean up. 
me and Don, eh, Don? You're the same, aren't you? You'd clean everything up, I'm sure. <clears throat> now, those uh, two goats ended up possibly in Nepal or in India with, very, with owners who would be living in poverty. And so the goats would provide milk and food and manure and income for them. Sometimes with Christmas it's gifts, it's good to think outside the box, isn't it? Something different, something uh, original, something creative. And uh, so that's where we come to the wise men. And they brought gifts for baby Jesus, and they were very, very, very different. Not so much the gold, we're accustomed to the gold, but frankincense and myrrh. Should you ever decide to give me a gift, please, no frankincense, no myrrh. I would not be interested. So let's look at Luke 2, verse 11. Just uh, brings out this little verse here. Now, when the days of her purification, according... Oh, hold on, that's wrong, isn't it? Two... <laughs> let me get it right. Where are we? Luke 2. Ah, Matthew, sorry. Who said Luke? Is it Paul? Was that you, Paul, up in Kaitaia? I heard something come through my earphone. Matthew 2.11. Here we go. And when he had come into the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him, it's always a thing to do away with Jesus is fall down and worship. When they had opened their treasures, they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Try giving that to your kids this Christmas, and they'll grab the gold, and I don't know what they'll do with the rest. But the gifts were specially matched to some aspect of Jesus' life and ministry. The gold is he is the king of kings, not just, you know, not just a king. He's the king of all kings. And uh, by the way, how's everybody doing coming into Christmas? You all good? Cross campus, are you all doing good? Okay, happy time? Well, as we said, not for everybody. Another one brought this frankincense. There's three boys doing this Christmas play one day. And uh, <laughs> the first boy stepped forward and he says, gold. And the second boy stepped forward and he says, myrrh. And the third boy stepped forward and says, Frank sent this. <laughs> he didn't quite get it right, did he? Frankincense was used in temple worship by the priests to open the way to God. It represents God building a bridge, or Jesus building a bridge between God and man, so that we could enter the presence of God anytime, any place, anywhere. That's the value of frankincense, a gateway to God. So good, eh? And myrrh, as we've heard, is a gift for someone who's about to, who's going to die, used to embalm dead bodies. So Jesus was born to die for the sin of the world. So even as a baby, the gifts represented the ministry of Jesus and what he was going to do upon the planet. The king, the perfect high priest, and the savior of mankind. I think we've wandered a long way from the first gifts. Kind of, have we? That were given to Jesus, which was what gifts were all about. So as you go buying gifts this year, can I make a suggestion? As you buy a gift and you're wrapping it up, why don't you take a moment to think of one of the three gifts that were given to Jesus? When you pick it up, why don't you think gold? He's my king. <laughs> why don't you think next gift you're giving to your kids, just think frankincense. Wow, a way made for me to have fellowship with God. And at that moment, why don't you just turn your heart to God for a moment? Say, Jesus, thank you for coming and dying on the cross for me. When you get that third presence, because kids get more than one present these days. I only used to get one, by the way, folks. 
Does anyone feel sorry for me? No, there's no sympathy in this house. Only one I got, and one I didn't even like. And I had to like it. Because if I didn't and was ungrateful, I'm not going to tell you what would happen then, but it doesn't happen these days. We were grateful whether we liked it or not, because that's the rules of the house. Things have changed a little bit. What was I talking about? We are talking about, yeah, the third gift that you buy. Think, the third one you think, um, myrrh. Just think about it. My Savior, Jesus. Even as your kids are opening your gifts whenever you do it, just think of each one. As they open their gifts, just, just remember this message if you can, and just think, gold, my king, frankincense, my gateway to God, myrrh, my savior. I reckon it'll change your Christmas. We're always, aren't we, struggling to bring it back to Jesus? <laughs> and, but we can do it. I think we're learning to do it. Little bit by little bit, we're getting there. Here's a quote for you, which I reckon sums it all up. Jesus is Christmas. Full stop. Jesus is Christmas. This year, God's given me the greatest Christmas gift I've ever had in my life. It's an extraordinary gift. It's one that's kind of you really struggle to put into words. It's been such an amazing gift that I've just been thanking God for it. Saying, God, I, I just so appreciate this extraordinary gift that you've chosen to give your servant this Christmas. I even thought to myself, Jesus, why me? Why, why have you... I'm sure others have got it as well, but why, God, would you do this for me? The gift he's given me is this. Over the last few months, probably, he's given me a greater hunger for himself. I've been on this track a long time, folks. He's just given me this desire to know him more. It's just a deeper desire. You can't buy that for all the gold in the world. And you know, more of God, that is the greatest gift of all. Because that's what our world is searching for. That's actually what you're searching. It's what we're all searching for. At the end of the day, is for more of God. So I'm just so, so grateful that I've got that gift for this Christmas. And I pray it's going to last forever. And I pray you get that same gift as well. So when we look at three aspects of gifts from God's point of view, God's gifts come wrapped in love. Make sure your gifts are wrapped in love this year. Or seek to do that. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. He gave out of love. In the last few years, my family has gone from getting gifts for everyone to a secret Santa arrangement where you're given the name of a person, you buy a gift for them, and someone else buys a gift for you and all the rest of it. It's a lot cheaper and it's a lot easier. But imagine if you were given the name of the one person who you didn't want to get a gift for. The worst person that you've had a fallout with. You know, the person that said something mean about you or crashed your car and never paid for it or whatever, told some lies about, but hurt you, whatever. That one person, imagine if that's the one you have to buy, buy a gift for. What would you do? What kind of gift would you give that person? <laughs> well, when it comes to God giving gifts to us, <laughs> we're that person. Yeah. 
We've offended him. We've hurt him. We've despised him. We've rejected him. We've sinned. We've done every bad thing under the planet. And yet we want a gift from Jesus at Christmas. What does he give us? What does he give us to those who have despised him? I'll tell you what he gives us. He gives us the very best he can give. He gives us the Son of God himself. Those who are totally undeserving get the best gift of all. It's not kind of the way I would operate or we operate, but that's the way God operates. But what's more than that, friends, he doesn't give it begrudgingly, thinking, oh, you rotten sinner, tuck, but here we are, I'll die for you on the cross. No, no, he doesn't do that. He gives out of great love. He gives willingly, joyfully, generously. His gifts come wrapped in love, and that's the nature of the God that we serve. The story is told of this missionary in Africa teaching the students about gifts at Christmas. And one Christmas morning, this African boy brings this missionary this beautiful seashell. When he asked him where he discovered this fantastic seashell, he said, well, you can only find it in this certain bay, which is quite a distance away from here. And the missionary is really impressed, not only that he got the shell, but uh, that uh, you know, he traveled so far to get the lovely gift for the, map, for the missionary. The African's eyes brightened up, and he says, long walk, part of the gift. The shell was more than just a gift. It involved a loving sacrifice. Jesus made the longest, most costly walk of all time. When he left heaven and came to the sin-ravaged and broken planet, when he walked for 33 years, suffering pain and loneliness, rejection, mocking and hatred, and then the excruciating crucifixion upon the cross, he would look you and me in the eye today, and he would say, long walk, part of gift. This is amazing grace. The long walk, which we will never comprehend, friends, from heaven to earth to the cross, it's beyond expression for the sinners who rejected him. God's gifts come wrapped in love. Don't ever think you have to earn God's gifts. You'll never earn them, but he'll give them anyway. That's the God that we serve. Then God's gifts are generous. I want us to think about this for a few days, a few days, a few minutes today. Well, you could hang around for a few days. I'm going to be here tonight, tomorrow, the next day. Come on, come and join. Let's hang out together. Be fun. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He holds nothing back. Like, who is this God? <laughs> Who is this Jesus that we serve? I mean, gifts wrapped in love, but not just wrapped in love, generosity beyond comprehension. Let me give you a few more verses. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life, that you may have it abundantly. What a contrast between God and the devil. You know, the devil just takes and steals and robs and destroys everything good from us. God on the other side just gives, gives generously every good thing. And we see the results of the, the, the devil today in the world, robbed, stealing, and killing. He's just making an absolute havoc of society. But that's what he is like. 
But God on the other side is incredibly, incredibly generous. Generous beyond our belief. And I want us to just, uh, hopefully just faith to come into your heart today of God's desire to be so generous to you. I mean, I can put my hand up and say, God's been generous to me, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I just can't believe his generosity to me. It's so amazing. The great golfer Arnold Palmer, I have to talk about golf because holidays are coming and I'm playing a bit more golf, so I've got to bring it into the sermon somewhere. So he went, and, uh, went to Saudi Arabia and he played some golf there and, and the king of Saudi Arabia said, I want to give you, Arnold, I'd like to give you a gift. Arnold said, look, that is not necessary. I just, you know, it's an honor to just be with you, king. And the king says, uh, I'd be very offended if I wasn't able to give you a gift. So Arnold Palmer thought about it, and he thought, well, okay. Okay, king, if you've got to insist on giving me something, how about a, um, you know, a, a golf club, an iron, maybe a six iron, or maybe a sandwich, or something like that. Next day in his hotel room, there's a gift, and it's the title deed to a golf club, the whole golf club, hundreds of acres. Sand bunkers, the whole shooting box worth probably millions of dollars. Not what Arnold Palmer had in mind. God's generosity to you and I is more along the lines of a golf club, not just a couple of golf irons or a sand wedge. God is generous. God is generous. And we just need to allow that to stir in our hearts because, you know, the more we believe it, the more we're going to experience it in our lives. One last thought for you today across our campuses. Hope you're still with us. God's, let me put it this way. Christmas was God's most successful setback. God's always delighted to show his power through apparent defeat. He makes tactical retreats to win strategic victories. Stay with me. Joseph was promised great glory and leadership and people bowing down to those two dreams. You know the story in Genesis. But then what happens? He becomes a slave, a setback. Wow, God, that doesn't make sense. And then he becomes a prisoner. There's another setback. Just doesn't make any sense. But you and I know the rest of the story. It was all planned by God. Because in prison, he meets the butler and the baker who give him access, as it were, to the king or to the ruler. And he ends up becoming the prime minister or the leader of what was then, alongside Pharaoh, the, one of the greatest and most powerful nations in the world. What an unlikely pathway to glory. Huh? Setback after setback, apparent defeats, resulting in a great victory. And this was God's way with Jesus. Same System, same method if you like. He left heaven, emptied 
emptied himself, sounds like a setback to me, becomes a baby, from God to a baby, would you consider that a setback? I would. Born in poverty, takes the form of a slave, setback, prisoner, setback, executed, setback. But like Joseph, it was his pathway to exaltation. Philippians 2, 9 and 10. Therefore God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Folks, this is God's way for you and me. In the kingdom of God, the way up is down. The way forward is so often backwards. <laughs> and maybe today you're staring in the face of a setback. I've had a few this year. And this has helped me to understand what God's actually doing. The setbacks, they look like defeats. It looks like you're going in the wrong direction. Oh no. They'll always look like failures. They'll always look like setbacks. But they're divinely appointed. They're designed by God. And Joseph and Jesus teach us in Genesis 50 verse 20, God meant it for good. God meant it for good. See, God is at work in your life. He's in control of everything that is taking place. And so often it looks like things are going south, but actually they're not going south. They're going north, but they're just going in a different pathway. You know, we make out our path. We think it should look like this, 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 and this. You know, and usually it's this, 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 and this. And God says, no, 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 no. It's this, 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 and then this. God's pathway is different. Think of Joseph. Think of Moses. Think of David. Think of just about any Bible character. The way forward is backwards. But here's the key. In the midst of it all, we just got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Like Joseph, keep a humble spirit and a right attitude and watch what God will do because he exalts the humble and resists the proud. God's indescribable gift must be received. God's gift of salvation and eternal life through His Son, Jesus, is available for everybody. But it doesn't just fall on us out of the sky. God doesn't force it on us. It is limited to those who receive it by faith. That's the key. So John 1 verse 12, Yet all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. It doesn't say all who heard about Him had the right to become the children of God. It doesn't say all who agreed with his teachings had the right to become the children of God. It doesn't say all who followed the golden rule of treating others as you want them to treat you received the gift of eternal life. It doesn't say all who regularly attended church or all who did good things and social justice had the right to become the children of God. God doesn't give the right to salvation and become one of the children through any of those things, but only through those who believe in Him and receive Him into their hearts. Today, receive Jesus, the greatest gift of all. Thank you, campuses, for joining with us today. So good to have you with us. We love you all. Merry Christmas. And hand back to the campus pastors. Take care. Have a great Christmas and New Year. God bless.